I tell you what, we've had some good specials today, haven't we? Oh, man, that was great. Thank you, ladies. Appreciate that. I want to thank Will also. Will, you did a great job. That was uh, quite a song. When I was growing up uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, that's where we're from, um, we had a friend. His name was Benny. Benny went with me through grade school, junior high school, and into high school. Benny used to come down and play ball with us in the backyard and uh, just, you know, it was a friend. We had a... We, shared a lot of good times together. 
Um, Benny was a little bit different. Um, he didn't really fit in with the rest of the kids in our neighborhood, in our community, and especially in school. Um, he, uh, his mother and father had separated and divorced at an early age, and uh, Benny and his brother and his dad basically lived uh, together in this little two-room house. Not a two-bedroom, but a two-room. It was just very, very small. Benny didn't do well in school. The teachers uh, had basically given up on him. And he was always in trouble. He's one of the kind of kids that just, no matter what he did, he was in trouble all the time. I can remember many times when the school bus would go by to pick Benny up at his home, Benny would um, come out the door, and you could tell he just literally rolled out of bed. He um, was eating a piece of toast, maybe, and, and had not combed his hair. You could tell that. Still had sleep in his eyes, you know. Hadn't brushed his teeth. Uh, it was just Benny. Um, Benny was always kind of dirty. Uh, he lacked a lot of social skills. He didn't know how to deal with people or behave around people. Benny was always, it seemed, hungry. Every time he would come down to the house, my mother was always concerned about him, would always fix him a sandwich and feed him something because she knew well that he wasn't eating. And in school, Benny was always begging for money so he could buy himself a lunch. I think lunches were 50 cents back then. He could get a school lunch and... Um, he was always hitting kids up for a nickel or a dime, trying to get enough to buy lunch. So we always tried to help him out as best we could. If you were to ask the people that knew Benny, um, if you had to put a value on Benny, what would it be? How would you value him? How would you value him as a friend, somebody you'd want to spend time with, somebody you'd want to be around on a regular basis? I would venture to say that most of the kids in the school, at least, would say that he's of really no value to them or very little. He's not the kind of person you want to be friends with. He's um, not somebody I would want to hang around with. But it wasn't just the people in school. You see, Benny's family had made that determination, too. They didn't care much about him. And the teachers and the administrators in the school had pretty much made the same decision. Everybody had already placed a value on Benny, and it wasn't very much. When you mention his name, people will roll their eyes sometimes and say, that boy, he's a lost cause, and uh, he's never going to amount to anything. Now, as we went through high school, I kind of lost touch with Benny. We went separate ways. I, to be honest with you, I'm not even sure that he finished high school. I just don't remember. The last I heard, somebody had said that he had become a licensed either plumber or an electrician and had started his own business and was doing well, and I'm thankful to hear that. There are a lot of people like that in this world who people, when you look at them, and you have to make the determination, do I want to spend my time with that person? Do I want to get to know them? Do I want to spend my emotional energy trying to build a friendship with them? There's a lot of people that, if we're honest with each other, will say basically, no, I really don't. Let me ask you this question. If people were to make that evaluation about you, what would your value be? What would it be? Because you know what? People have already placed a value on you, whether you realize it or not. You're either valuable to them and they want to be involved in your life, to be a part of your life, or you're really not. And they've made that pretty clear in some cases. If you're an athlete, a lot of athletic ability, man, you're popular as a high value on knowing you and being your friend. If you're a beauty queen, same thing is true. If you're very musical, it seems like everybody likes musicians, you know, those free spirits. So we like that. 
and we always want to be friends with the musician. If you've grown up to be a great businessman, a doctor, a lawyer, a businessman, whatever, uh, whatever society places value on, then people want to know you. They want to be your friend. They want to be around you. And so your value is pretty high. Your stock is high. And people just want to get to know you. They're willing to spend the energy, the time, and effort. Now, but what if? What if you're poor? What if you are the child of an alcoholic mother or father? How many people want to know you then? What's your value? What if you were one of the fat kids in school? Or the ugly kid? What if you are disabled? What if you were pregnant at the age of 16 and everybody knows it and everybody has always labeled you in a certain way? Would they want to get to know you? Would they give you the opportunity to try to find out who you are? What if you flunked out of school or dropped out of school? What if you were always the troublemaker in school and you were always the one being called to the principal's office and uh, everybody just kind of rolls their eyes like they did with my friend? What if you were the one that was divorced? Or you were the one that committed adultery and everybody knew it. And you're the one that was responsible for breaking up that lovely home. What if you were the drug addict? The list goes on and on. We could be up for all day talking about it. But what if you were one of those people? Would a person want to get to know you? Would a person value you? Would they say that you're important or even worth my time? And guys, I've got to tell you something. Everyone has a set value that is determined by what people in your life think about you. It's unfortunate. It's not something we often want to admit or talk about. But we are all that way because we have determined value on people according to what there is in, as far as benefit for us. And you know what? Here's the really shocking thing about all this. If I were to ask you again, what is your value? You probably already know that. You probably already know whether you are popular or not, whether people gravitate to you or not, whether people want to invest their time and effort in knowing you or not. You already have some idea of what your value to other people really is because they've made it clear over the years and you know very well where you stand. You know if you're on the A list or the B list or you didn't make the list. You know that. You know, we hear it on the news. Well, they'll be talking on one of these shows about this upcoming uh, star-studded gala. All of the A-list entertainers are going to be there. Well, who determined that? You know, who determined who's on the A-list? And so we all know where we stand. We all know who we are. And you can figure out very quickly what your value is. If you are a proud and an arrogant person, then you probably know full well that you're a uh, high value commodity. People want to be your friend. People want to know who you are. People want to be around you. You know, they just want to be seen with you. If you're introvert, quiet, people talk to you and you can't make eye contact. If you find yourself living in depression a lot of times, sometimes you're even suicidal, then yeah, you know what your value is. You've already made that determination. You know what other people think of you. And it has affected your life. It has affected you tremendously. So again, I ask you, what's your value? You had to put a number on it from 1 to 10. Just think in your own mind, what are you? And be honest with yourself. This is not, we're not making this public. 
Uh, but just be honest. How is a person's value determined? Let's answer that question. How does somebody determine the value of another person? Well, it's like anything. The value of any item is determined by what someone is willing to pay for it. For example, my wife is in real estate. You know, most of you already know that. And I've learned so much about real estate. I didn't even take the, the classes or the exam, but I could probably be a real estate agent just listening to Deborah talk around the house and talk on the phone to people. She's always having to explain to people about value and how you determine value of a home. She says an appraiser has to come out, they have to look at your home, and then they have to look for comps. A comp is a comparable to another home. Another home of similar size and amenities in your neighborhood to determine what yours might be worth. So an appraiser goes out, he looks at your house, he writes it all down, he goes back and he gets on the internet and he looks at all the homes that have been sold in your neighborhood and he sets a value on it based on homes that have sold for that value. And so when you talk about the value of an item, you're talking about what somebody is willing or has been in the, in the past paying for that, that item. The same thing is true of you and me as well. Because the question then becomes this. If I want to determine how valuable I am to somebody else, then I've got to answer this question, or at least they have to answer it. They have to decide, do they want to spend their time with me do they want to invest their emotional energy getting to know me and becoming my friend? Do they want to, if necessary, spend money on me if it becomes necessary? They size me up and they make a determination. I do or I don't care about you enough to put forth the energy to be your friend. And so, yeah, I don't value you that much. And that's the determination that they make. And guys, we all do it. Every one of us do it. And I want, I want you to understand that because this is part of human nature. Now, let me show you what I mean. Let me ask you some questions. Which of these would you place the greater value on as far as you're concerned? Now, this is value to you. How valuable are these people in the sense that I want to know them, I want to spend time with them, I want to be their friend? Here's the choices. First choice. The Sunday school teacher that teaches your children, or a thief, which do you value the most? Which do you want to spend your time with? A Boy Scout or a child abuser, which do you want to spend your time with? Which do you want to get to know? Which is worth your energy? A disabled veteran or the young man that shot the school up in Florida? Which would you prefer to get to know, to spend your time with? A drug addict or a single mother of three working two jobs? Which is the one that is worthy of your time and your effort and your love? Which one is it? Now, here's the point. Every one of us, as we sat there thinking about this, made a judgment. We made a judgment based on what they heard concerning what I would want or not want to do in relation to that individual. Do I value that person enough to put forth the time and the energy to get to know them? That's the question. Do you or don't you? And so then we have to admit, yeah, we do have a value system, don't we? We have a value system that determines whether we want to or not want to, whether somebody's worth it, and that's just part of being human. It's not always pretty. But it's a reality. 
But then we have to ask ourselves this question. Those same people that I've just mentioned, and all the ones that you said you didn't want to spend time getting to know, how do you think God values those people? How do you think God values them? Does God put a high value on knowing them and loving them and caring about them? Or does God act a lot of times like us? He just turns his back on people and says, I don't really care to know you because you don't appeal to me. Here's another question, okay? What kind of value does God place on you? On you. You know the person you are. You know the things you've done, the life you've lived. You know all the mistakes you've made. And you have already made a determination in your mind as to how valuable you are to God. And some of us are self-righteous and think that we were with God at creation, you know. Couldn't have done it without us. That's how we think. Some of us, on the other hand, have gone through and have lived lives like what I've mentioned. And we know very well in our minds that if people can't love us and value us, then God probably doesn't either. I want to read you this verse, okay? It's actually two verses. It's in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, and here's what it says. Peter says this, he says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Now, let's look at the verse for a moment, okay? First of all, the word redeemed. What are we talking about? Well, basically, redeemed means to buy something. You purchase it. You redeem something, like you take a coupon to the store, and they say you can redeem this coupon for so much money. So, it basically means to buy something. So, he's saying here, he says, that you have been bought, he says. You've been redeemed from your empty way of life. And it wasn't with perishable things, such as silver or gold or money or some other commodity that you could trade in and get somebody. He says, here's what was paid for you. The precious blood of Jesus Christ was paid for you. See, the Bible teaches us that every one of us is a sinner. Some of us have had good breaks in life and others haven't. Some of us have been fortunate and others have not. But God is saying to you and me that we're all in the same boat as far as God is concerned. We're all sinners. And that God thought so much of you. You. With all of your baggage, with all of your sinfulness, with all of your past. God said, I want you. And here's what I'll pay for. I'll pay the blood of my own son. And the Bible says that there was only one thing that would pay for our sin. It was the blood of Christ, the lamb, it says here, the lamb without blemish or defect, the sacrifice, the one who took your place. And Jesus Christ took your place. And his blood was shed as a sacrifice for all of your sins. From the day you were born until the day you die, all of it is covered. Even things you haven't done yet are still under the blood of Christ. And whatever time in life, You come to this realization and you put your faith in that. You call upon him to save your soul based on that blood. You accept it. You believe it by faith. Then God says, I will give to you as a gift eternal life. Forgiveness. That's how much I value you. That's how important you are to me. You see, 
when Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again, now listen very carefully, God determined your value. Do you understand that? God determined your value. Let me give you an illustration. Let's say, for example, you want to go buy a used car, and this particular car that you're looking at is $11,000 for a used car. So you go to the used car sales place, and you begin to barter. Don't you love bartering with car dealers? Oh, my gosh, I'd rather take a beating. But, and sometimes I do. <laughs> but anyway, you go to the car dealer, and you begin to barter and bicker back and forth. He's wanting 11000 you'll say, I'll give you a nine. No, I can't take nine. I'll take, I'll take uh, ten, eight. No, I don't want to pay that much. So you offer him nine, five. He said, let me go talk to my manager. They always go to the manager. I don't know why they do that. But they go to the manager. And they come back, and finally you guys decide on a price of $10,000. The car dealer says, I'll take it. You're happy. He's happy. Now watch. Listen very carefully, okay? In that moment, the car and the money are of equal value. Do you understand this? This is important. The car dealer says, my car is of equal value to that $10,000 check the man has. The man says, my $10,000 check is of equal value to that car. We're both happy. We make the deal, and we go on our happy, on our happy way. Now, listen. Okay, watch this. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he took all of your sins and he paid for them. And God the Father said in that moment that you are of equal value to my son. What? What? Yeah. God says, I'm the one that is demanding payment here. And if you have to pay for your own sins, you'll spend eternity in hell. The Bible's very clear. But I'm the one demanding payment, and here's the offer. When he offers his blood on the cross for your sins, at that moment, I value you as much as I do him. You've you got to understand the significance of this and what he's saying. Because, guys, we can talk about a person's value and their lack of value and this, that, and the other, and we make our human judgments and all of this, and God says, when you compare you with all of your baggage to my son, they're equal in my love for them. Both of them, they're equal. That's saying a lot. Saying a lot. Bartering is a practice that if you look back into the Middle Eastern countries and the culture, they barter all the time. They barter down in Mexico, if you've ever gone shopping in Mexico. That's how they do things. Here's how it works. A merchant has his booth out there, and he has all of these items, these trinkets, and you come along and you want this hat. A lot of times he'll have a price on it, sometimes he won't, but you'll lay down some money. See, I'll give you a dollar for that hat. And he'll just sit there and he'll say, no, I'm not taking that. So you'll lay down a little bit more, and he'll say, no, that's not enough either. So you lay down a little bit more and you say, that's it. And he either picks it up and accepts it or you pick up your money and you go home. That's bartering. Now guys, listen to me, okay? Because ever since creation, man has been bartering with God for his soul. He has been bartering with God for forgiveness. God, I promise that if you forgive me, if you'll save me, I will be a better person. I'll be a better person. 
So you lay that down before God and say, you save me, you forgive me, and I'll be a better person. God says, no, not enough. Okay, okay, I'll promise I'll go to church every Sunday and I'll, I'll give money to the poor and I'll do good works and I'll do all of these things if you'll just forgive me then. So you lay that down on the table. God says, no, that's not enough. So you look at your life and you begin to evaluate the sin in your life. You say, okay, God, I'll, I'll give up this sin and I'll give up that sin. and I just won't sin anymore, ever. I promise if you'll just save me. If you'll just forgive me. And God says, no, that's not enough. And then Jesus Christ steps forward. He goes to the cross. He says, I'll make a payment. I'll lay something on the table. Me. My blood for your life. My blood for your soul. And so he did. He went to the cross, the Bible says. And on the third day, now listen, on the third day, God the Father reached down and picked up the payment. And he said, it's enough. Deal's been made. It's finished. You want to know the significance of the resurrection? Because the resurrection established your value to God. On that day, God the Father reached down, took the payment, and he said, this is enough to pay for you. And he accepted. And you don't want to know why we come and we sing and we praise the Lord and we worship God? Because of that. Because of that is what established your value to God. Two things I want to ask you to do. Number one, never, ever doubt God's love for you. Never doubt God's love for you. If God established your value, please bask in it, okay? Understand it. Don't ever let some people tell you that you're not worth it. Don't ever look at your life and say, with all the terrible things going on in my life, all of the misfortune, all of the horrible circumstances, all of the things that I do or don't do or don't have, all of these things we look at and, and say our lives are not worth it, and if our lives aren't worth living, then it must be God's fault. And God doesn't love us. Don't ever do that. Because when it came to God establishing your value and telling you how much he loved you, he did it then. And if he never does another thing for you, that was enough right there to give you that wonderful gift of, of salvation. Let me read you this verse. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You were bought with a price, that blood again. You were bought with that. Then go honor God with your bodies. Stop trying to determine whether God loves you or not. God has already said that he loves you. Stop looking at your life saying, poor me. And start praising God for what he's done. Because someday, guys, we're going to lay it all down here on this earth. We're going to leave this place and we're going to go to be with our Savior. And for that reason, we ought to have joy in our hearts. But here's the second thing that I want to ask you to do, and that is this. Don't ever allow another person to determine your value. Don't let people determine your value. God has already said and has already set your value. Now watch. 
1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23. You were bought at a price. This is the third time he said this now, the verses that I've shown you. Third time. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Wow. What a statement. How long have you lived like a slave to people's opinions who didn't value you and didn't care about you? And you've allowed them to dictate who you are, but not only that, you've allowed them to dictate what you think of God and what you believe that He thinks about you. Nobody loves me. How could God love me? And it has affected everything in your life. How long does it have to go on before you finally take a stand and say, if the whole world is against me and nobody cares about me and I'm no value to them, I am to God. Because on that day, that day when he raised Jesus from the dead, he established my value. He said, I'm equal to his son. Don't ever forget that, guys, okay? You know, if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in Christ to Jesus, then what better day to do it than on Easter? To realize that no matter who you are, what you've done, what kind of life you've lived, that God says you are loved. And that I sent my son to die for you. He shed his blood for you. All you need to do is put your faith in me. Turn to me in faith and believe it and accept it. Now's the time for that. This is the day for that. In a moment, we're going to take communion. I'm going to have the men to come forward here in just a moment. But right now, I want you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And while you are, I'll ask the guys to make their way to the front. The guys that are going to be serving the communion. But just sit there quietly and think, if God loves you that much, does it really matter what other people think of you? Why don't you just accept it? Why don't you believe it? Why don't you call upon the name of the Lord? The Bible says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Guys, that means you. You who are sitting there with your sin in the back of your mind, all the things you've ever done wrong, all the things you've been called and told you were all of your life, forget it. God said you're valuable. And that's all that matters. Just reach out in faith and say, Lord, I thank you for your grace. Thank you for loving me that much. I want to pray, and I'm going to ask if there's anyone here who's never put their faith in Jesus Christ, do it right now. Do it there where you sit. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and you can follow along in the quietness of your own heart between you and God. The prayer goes like this. Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I have shamed you with my life. But I believe what the Bible says. I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross for me. I believe you love me. Trust me right now. The Bible says that whosoever calls upon his name will be saved. That's you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for loving us. We thank you, Lord, for establishing our value so that we never have to question where we stand with you. You expended your son to die for us. Lord, he took it for us, and we are thankful for that. 
Father, may we glorify you and honor you with our lives. And may we never, ever fall victim to other people's opinions. May we hold our heads high, knowing full well that we're a child of the King. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.